we have we have small groups uh, throughout, and his, the best thing about our small groups, I didn't organize any of them, except for one with the high school students uh, on Wednesday nights because I'm in charge of that one. But uh, you guys do small groups. We have co-ed, we have men's, and we have women's, and uh, I appreciate the the different gender small groups because I think it's important that you can be able to share things uh, with the men and share things with the women. And uh, Shannon has kind of, by default, become the women's Bible study teacher, and they everybody loves Shannon. And so uh, we wanted Shannon up here teaching us today as a part of our Roman study, and I, I'm excited to do that. Uh, oh, boy. Okay, so praises, I'm up here. There's half the battle, right? I'm Shannon, and y'all just pray <laughs> um, that I don't pass out. If I do, though, I'd like a second chance because <laughs> it's just my body, and I know my spirit can do it. So um, thanks for the victory. I know how it ends. He wins. So whatever it looks like here in the beginning, y'all, cope with me, Okay. Thank you guys for being up here. Oh my gosh, look at you. Thanks. And there's uh, Jim right here, and we got guys on the front row. That's awesome. Thank you all for being here. Um, I have no sins for which I need to be forgiven. Um, and with that fact, I'm free to live differently from someone who may not believe that or who may be preoccupied with dealing with their sin. That's what the passage in the chap- in Romans chapter 6 is dealing with today. And so that's the main point I want to make very simply, and I hope that the more I talk, you don't get lost in maybe Shannon's words, just listen for spirit, let him pick out for you what you need out of the jumble that I deliver, and uh, keep that, hold on to that. Um, Romans 6, 7 through 11 is our passage, and I just want to start by reading it. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the word. Oops, I'll do that a lot probably. That you'll give me, um, and I thank you for your spirit teaching each individual here that has you this morning. And if all this doesn't make sense to you and you know that it's because Um, You're separate from spirit, and you don't have that. Um, You don't have to stay there. Just talk to anybody at Leavener, and you can make that switch. And then a lot of what I say today will make a lot more sense to you. Romans 6, chapter 7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. There's a lot right there, right? Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's a lot there, right? It's my hope that after this discussion, maybe during this discussion, that you'll embrace that 
for yourself, that that'll become true for you, that radical statement of being dead to sin and alive to God will be true to you. So we've had a lot of people up here already, um, obviously since we're in chapter 6, who have covered the first five chapters of Roman and part of chapter 6. Luke did a great job of discussing our identity and who we are in Christ. Um, I want to back up and just quickly review that because that speaks to how it is that we are dead to sin, right? So there is a graphic in our Roman study. Those of you who have the book, you might be studying at home. Um, this, and I just want to move a little closer to it if I can. <laughs> I'm afraid something's going to squeak. Um, yep, just my hips are on the head. This, <laughs> this is a picture of you if you are not a believer, and it's a picture of you if you are a believer before you were a believer, okay? So the Bible talks about, and we have talked about in here, how we're a three-part being, body, spirit, and soul. That black line that kind of has a bracket around soul and spirit, that's who you really are. That is your identity, right? And then this body part, this third of you, or I mean, that's, I don't know, it's actually a third of you, it's more for some of us, but <laughs> the part that is the body is just, you know, the earth suit that you get to walk around in and be who you are, which is spirit and soul. You guys have heard Rusty up here say you'll never see the real Rusty because you just get to see that handsome body of his. But the inside is who he really is, and the inside is who you really are. So when we're born, we're born with the same nature, the same spirit that Adam was born with, and that not that Adam was born with, that Adam chose. Adam was born with a spirit connected to God, and when he was in the garden, they were connected. They were one. But then whenever he was given the choice and he chose sin, Again, if you want more background, it's available. That's not my point today, just a little bit. So that's what made him dead. He chose sin. It separated him right here. See that? His spirit was not separated, not connected to God, dead to God. And that's the state that you're born in when you come into this world. Because you're a natural man, because of original sin, you get to inherit that. That's the way it is. But God loves us enough that he's not going to let it stay that way, right? So then he gives us all of things like Romans so that we can study that and see the wonderful thing, the victorious thing that he did for us. So where is sin in this? Per in this? Just, you know, can't miss it, right? The whole thing. You've got sin in your spirit because you've got a dead spirit. Sin in your soul because, um, yeah, in your soul because you've got a dead soul. You have sin in your mind. You have sin in your emotions. You have a rebellious will. All that just comes naturally. You were a sinner before you committed your first sin. Your sin, your behavior didn't make you a sinner. You were born a sinner. Perfectly natural thing to do when you're in this state is sin. It's the only thing you can do because you have no life through Christ. You only have life of your own, on your own volition. Okay? So, there's a lot there. I like it simple, and I want people out there who don't like all this busyness to be able to have a takeaway, so I've made my own diagram. <laughs> <laughs> this is your heart. 
This is what you need to take away if you don't remember the other stuff. This was your heart before God changed it. Before Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. You'll be a new creature. And this is what it looked like before that happened. You were dead to God, alive to sin. You were invigorated by sin. Sin comes along and you're like, yeah, sign me up. That's a perfectly natural thing to do. Sin doesn't come along. You didn't have any trouble creating it yourself. Okay? Perfectly natural thing to do. Next, Jim. Gets a little more busy, right? But this is what ha- this is a picture of you after that victorious change, after that heart change. So what I want you to notice first is that bracket that is the real you. Soul and spirit. The real you. Sin, out of there. Out of there. It's out of your emotions. It's out of your spirit. Because God has come in. The Holy Spirit has come into you and made a new creation. And where God is, sin can't be. So he's right here, right? Holy Spirit comes in. This is your little old self. He got kicked out too. So you are a brand new creation. Whenever you read these verses about, you know, something died. Old man died. Yeah, your old man did die. Luke talked about it being a radical change, a violent change. Well, that really did happen. And it didn't, you know, you didn't see it in your body. So, you know, you went home after you had this change in your life and you saw somebody in your family and they thought, well, you don't look any different. Well, you don't look any different, but you do to God and you do on the inside because that's who you really are. Just want to point out now, because we'll need it a little later, your soul, we're made up of the three parts, our mind, will, and emotions. Okay, those are three categories that we can use to, to talk about us. And our soul is kind of like who you are, your personality. Um, and we're all over the place. Some of us have stronger emotions, and some of us are stronger willed, and some of us um, have a creative mind, some of us have an analytical mind. You know, we're all different that way. So that's where that personality comes from. That's where we're different. Where we're the same is in that spirit. I mean, he gave you your, an individual spirit that is just melded with him. I kind of think of, uh, um, you've seen the glass art where you have like a like clear glass and some green glass and it's just melded together. You can't separate that. That's, that's what your spirit looks like with, with Jesus. Okay, so there's a lot there. I made a simple version of this. Here's your takeaway. <laughs> that's mine. Okay, so what you need to know, now that that change has taken place, you are love. You have that brand new. I look at Ron, I get weepy. (laughs) Because he's love and I'm love. And I know the difference that that's made in our relationship, it's radical. It's radical in every relationship with yourself, with God, and with horizontal relationships, friends, and people. So anyway... I am love. So now I am dead to sin and I'm alive to God. Totally flip. So the most natural thing for me to do now is to be alive to God, to be tuned in to that radio wave, you know, that's coming in. Um, You guys have heard that analogy. Several people have used that up here where if spirit is, you know, and we got good spirit, bad spirit in this room right? We've got the war going on between good and evil. And wherever you're tuned to, AMFM, call it Jesus or darkness, 
That, you know, you pick up on that. So you are already tuned to the Jesus channel, okay? All right. Whew. Um, Satan's easy button is to convince us that that's not true. He wants to convince us that that isn't true. And he says things like, um, in my voice, in my head, no, Satan's not in my brain. The power of sin can send ideas and thoughts into my head. Remember that radio wave I'm talking about? So I can pick up the static, right? And I can get things come through my head that sound like, um, I'm still sin. I do still sin. I must not be right with God. Or I need to rededicate myself to God. I need to get closer to God. I need to deal with that sin. Those kinds of ideas come into our heads. And although we don't have a penalty for sin, because we've been restored, God said, your sin as far as the east is from the west. You are perfectly righteous with me. And what I skipped over there, the, the, there was a list you saw pop up real quick. That is a list of everything, a partial list. That's only 21 things. I mean, uh, Matt was up here with a list of 75 things. There's more things that you received at that point of justification, that point of salvation. When you received grace, grace is about a lot more than just forgiving sins. So much more than just forgiving sins. God doesn't want to just deal with this mountain of sin between us. Whenever we had the black heart, he didn't want to just deal with that mountain of sin. He was after us on the other side of that pile. That's what's important. And then once he gets to us, he doesn't care about that anymore. He doesn't care about it because he, does, he just sees you as perfect, righteous, and holy. The real you. That's who you are. But the evil one will want to convince us differently. So since we do still have uh, times where we'll choose to sin, where we choose to meet our needs with anything besides Jesus, that's kind of what I just define as my sin. And even, um, to me, that word gives it a little bit of power when I say sin. So I like to say um, dead works, that when I choose to waste my time on dead works, so I choose to do something, um, walking along, I, I bumble up, I sin, I just turn around and say, okay, that was a waste of time, and then go do it a different way. I could choose to stand here with that mess up and say, oh gosh, look what I did, I, I've got to clean this up, and, and how do I not do that in the future, and maybe there's a book at the library that tells me how to avoid this. But you know what? He's winning. Satan, at that moment, the devil's winning because he has me focusing on my mess up. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Let me tell you a story. Before I got married, I lived in a house in southeastern Kentucky, um, up on a hill in Whitesburg, Kentucky, beautiful place. But it's in the Appalachian Mountains, lots of nature around. Um, and... I came out of my house one morning to go to work, and I walked around the house to where my car is parked on the little gravel driveway, and I just froze, because I knew in that moment, 
it was going to be absolutely impossible for me to get in my car and go to work. I, sitting on my car, right above the driver's side door, was a praying mantis. <laughs> oh, I just, I can barely say that word. But there he was, you know, just doing the sway thing and turning his head and looking at me. And I was totally freaked out. I knew two things in that moment. One, I was not going to work. And two, I didn't have a car anymore. So I just <laughs> went back in the house and I called my employer and I said, hey, not coming in today. I got a major problem. I empowered that fear, right? Do you see how when you fear something, you give it power? I mean, I gave that thing, I gave it my job in my car. <laughs> That's given a lot of power. And sometimes we do that, you know, with things that we fear in life, when we fear that we might fall back into sin and not be able to get out of it, when we fear that we're doing the wrong thing, when we fear that we're doing the right thing, doing it the wrong way, when we fear that we have absolutely no ability to do the thing, all of this stuff we can empower by just focusing on it. So it's my suggestion to you that you don't even do, give it the time of day. Just turn around and walk on. That can be a little bit hard. <laughs> oh, by the way, they, did, they sent two of the survey crew out to my house to deal with the problem so I could come to work. Well, they did. And then I went to work. But it was ludicrous to them, right? So you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So the question that I've asked most, um, as I've, the question I've even asked myself most, as I even began to study Romans way, way, way back when, when we sat in Keith Tyner's living room and crossed our arms and wondered what he was talking about. Kind of looked like the praying mantis. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but the question that I asked myself the most and that I've been asked the most by ladies that I've studied Romans with is, how do I walk in the Spirit? How do I stay in the Spirit when I'm being attacked? How do, these are different ways it's been asked to me. How do I not sin? Okay? All those kinds of questions. And to me, that is simply the second part of this verse, the details, the simple, whoops, where'd my heart go? The simplification of you are love, that you are alive to God. That's the simple answer, right? And it's the true answer. And you need to take that in for yourself, right? And how does that get there? You're just going to be spending time in the words. You're going to be spending time talking to people who live that way. And you're just going to be sitting on that chair practicing it, trusting it. So the first thing that I believe for myself was the obstacle to being alive to God, to learning how to not sin, to learn how to be victorious, um, was fear and overcoming that whenever I saw that that was an obstacle. Fear is just an emotion. It's neither good nor bad. I mean, there's verses in the Bible that say, fear the Lord, right? Um, and we see all kinds of, you know, apostles that respond with fear and people responding in the Bible with fear. It's a perfectly normal reaction, biological reaction. And sometimes, you know, it's, an, it's automatic, you know, the, the fight or flight thing. You, you respond with fear. The trick is, what do you do with it? 
right? What are you afraid of? And there's verses in the Bible, and I did not write it down, that says, I will, t- in Luke, it's in Luke, I will tell you who to be afraid of. Be afraid of the one that can destroy your soul. That's who to be afraid of. All this other stuff that they were talking about in the passage, I don't remember what it was. Don't be afraid of it. It can't do anything to you. And so um, just meditating on those kinds of ideas. The second obstacle for myself um, is trust. And those are really just the two things I want to talk about as obstacles to being alive to God, is trusting it. All of those things that were imbued at the point of salvation, um, what it can be, it can be daunting. Um, Let's see, somewhere here I have a... uh... Okay, so when you look like in Corinthians, the definition of love is, right? Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not arrogant, not rude, not self-seeking, not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs, love finds no joy in unrighteousness, rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends, Galatians 5.22, but the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, truth, That's a lot, and it's all true. It's all true. The reason that I had a hard time trusting that was because I didn't feel like it. Do you ever do that? Do you ever feel like, I I don't feel righteous, I don't feel kind even right now, and that's not the way that you um, begin to respond or maybe um, have a habit of responding because you know a lot of our responses and emotions are habits, right? But we can choose, we can choose. So with the daunting description of who I was and what I was and um, God convicting me that I was righteous and holy and blameless and all of those things, but I didn't feel like it, that could trip you up and it tripped me up sometimes. Let me tell you another story. Um, I'm a Costco member. This is for you, Matt Tully. So I'm a Costco member. That's where I buy my gas. So several years ago, when gas was like $4, you guys, anybody remember that? Yeah. So I made sure anytime I bought gas, I went to Costco so I could get my discount, you know, and I kind of felt superior because not everybody could get their gas there. But uh, I could save a few dollars by getting my gas at Costco. So I drove up waited in line. I only went there for gas, mind you. I didn't need to go to Costco, but I drove there special, past several gas stations, got in line, got my turn, got up, went to pump my gas. Well, the first thing you have to do is show your Costco card. And I went through my wallet. I didn't have it. I went through my purse. I couldn't find it. I went through the car, could not find my Costco card. You have no idea how frustrated I was. I couldn't get my gas. So I got back in the car, I drove back up to Northern Fishers, I went into Speedway to get my gas. I get out and I'm pumping my expensive gas and as I'm pumping my expensive gas, I put my hand in my pocket and there was my Costco card. I couldn't believe it. I chose to do things the hard way and the more expensive way because 
I believed I didn't have my card. It didn't make it not true that I had my card all along. I could have done it the easy way, the Costco way. I had what I needed, all the resources right in my pocket, but I didn't believe it, so I just as well not have it, right? So I kind of, when that happened to me years ago, I kind of was applying that to not feeling like I had all of these resources that I have in God. Fully equipped, he tells me. And when I don't feel like it, I got my Costco card in my pocket. It doesn't matter that I don't feel like it. I trust it just because he said it. So I trust it. So even when you don't feel like it, I would encourage you to just kind of move on like you believe it. Go ahead and drive down there to get your gas because you're probably going to find that you have exactly what you need. So that kind of got in the way, the feelers. Um, <laughs> and then even knowing, simply knowing um, that I have these attributes and that that's my heart now. Um, sometimes you didn't, it's just an awkward application, I will call it. Ron and I driving in the car. That's one of his buttons is... Uh, Bad drivers, we'll say. Does anybody else have that problem when they get behind the wheel, they get a little bit less graceful, we'll say. So um, we're driving along, and somebody's not driving how Ron thought they should. And they're <laughs> speeding, and they cut him off. And yeah, they were kind of driving radically, erratically. Um, and he said something, you know, about it. And so I knew better. I didn't have any uh, reason to say anything, but I did. <laughs> and I said something about, you know, you should have a little grace for that guy. Well, then Ron barked at me. And, and it just totally flustered me. And I said, don't yell at me. I'm love. <laughs> and it was nonsensical but it's all that I could muster at that point. It's all that I could say. And he looked at me like I was crazy, and he just burst out laughing, and I burst out laughing, and it totally diffused the situation. We still use that when we're having some ridiculous discussion or argument. One of us will say, I am love, you know, <laughs> and so are you. So that, and that's another thing. You will see other people differently because just like, you're a new creation, they're a new creation. You're valuable to God, they're valuable to God. You're no more valuable to God. So when you think you are, you're not. That was another time we're driving along. Here comes this erratic driver. <laughs> Sorry, Ron. Ron's not like this so much anymore. <laughs> He's gotten better. But this guy comes, I mean, flying. And it's one of those situations, you know, where you're supposed to take turns kind of thing where there's traffic going on. And so this guy just flies around and cuts Ron off and, and moves on. And Ron has some ungraceful things to say about him. And so my awkward application at that time was, maybe he's got diarrhea. <laughs> you don't know. Right? Have a little grace. You don't know what that guy is dealing with. He might just really have a bad situation going on there. So when, when we do that, we call that Bob Goffing. You guys, who's read Bob Goff Love Does? Yeah. 
If you haven't, it's, it's an excellent book. Um, but Bob Goff had suggested, one of the things I remember from the book, he suggested that when someone's pushing your buttons or being not who you think they ought to be, um, find the least offensive reason that they might be doing that thing. And so that's where I come up with the, well, maybe diarrhea's a little offensive, but <laughs> it wasn't about us and our car is, is the point I was trying to make. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, there's just two more passages I want to share because they've been such an encouragement to me. Oops, I, did, I told you I'd do it again. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13. If you have that, Jim, I don't. I didn't write it down. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. And then, yeah. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. There's the, one of the huge benefits of that connection with God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, thank the Lord, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. That's hugely encouraging to me, where that Spirit is. The second verse I want to share with you um, is 1 Corinthians 3.17. And it's the second part of it. Yeah. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. I mean, there's a mouthful, right? Such a simple statement and so powerful, so radical. There's a lot of people you go out and you tell them you claim that, and there's lots of places in the Bible where it calls you that, and they think you're just, you know, crazy, arrogant, out of touch. But you're not. You're a new creation. You are holy. That's just a huge verse. And so when God convicts me of never what I'm doing wrong, but of the fact that I'm holy, it changes my behavior. And my, it's, my motivation is no longer law or duty, but love. And so I don't want you to think, okay, well, if I'm going to um, do, do this walk thing, sin thing, turn around and go the other way, think that I'm going to have to have some behavior modification program because I don't think that um, our relationship with God has anything to do with our behavior once we belong to him. Our relationship with him has a lot to do with our behavior. But even when it doesn't, even when you choose to waste your time, it's all good. Just turn around and don't waste any more on it. As soon as you realize it, don't waste any more time and move on to the other thing. One more thing I want to show you, only because um, when I was looking through my study from the teaching this at home, um, Kyle Skaggs, I don't know if you're here or if you're listening, but thank you for this. Apparently when I was teaching at home and I said when sin comes at you with the lies, you just say, talk to the hand, I'm not listening. And that stuck with her. And so the next week she came back with these little laminated hands and it says on the back of it something. 
Jesus, I give this to you. Roman study, February 2019. So that's another reminder. God always convicting me that I'm holy and that nice little bookmark thingy that Kyle made for us. So I want to thank you. So please um, think on it this week. I dare you to believe it. Romans 6.11, which is our key verse here, that you are dead to sin, but alive to God. That's simply how you overcome when the devil comes at you with schemes, is just apply that. So even um, Led Zeppelin can tell us who we are. Where is that? Right here? House of the Holies? That's you. That's us. So I appreciate Pinheads for giving us this example. Right here? You are dead to sin. Grateful dead. That's us, right? Yeah, so that's going to stay on our wall. And then you are alive to God. The currency of God, ACDC, man, you're plugged right into that. That's your very life source. So thank you. I appreciate your attention this morning. So now I see what you're looking at while I'm teaching. Uh, I, I like your reference to uh, whenever you sin and you go to the library and look up how to solve that. Uh, people don't go to the library anymore. Oh, show my age. But they Google. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about the Google machine? It's neutral. It's just like our emotions. It can be good or bad. But I would caution you that when you get on the Google machine, um, the way it's set up, you're going to be getting stuff that you didn't necessarily tune in for. So got to have that filter. Right on. So if you don't have a filter. Then you're probably going to spiral on the Google machine. <laughs> just yeah. people need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing out there because we, we carry it in our pocket. And immediately, that's the first thing that we go to is, like, mm-hmm. we just start searching stuff. And uh, not everything you read on the Internet yeah. is true. Yeah, it's an easy, bu- an easy button. Said that. Said <laughs> what? that. What? Said that. Just believe it. Another so, radical statement. <laughs> yeah. Don't believe everything that's sent to you either. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's. Good stuff today. You did a great job. I'm uh, thankful for Shannon Cox. Mm, You survived. You're going to really enjoy that nap this afternoon. This is the one thing I've enjoyed about this is everybody gets to appreciate what we, what I do every Sunday is like, it's uh they think, oh, yeah, it's easy for you. You do it every week. No, it's the same every week. The routine is, uh, but I enjoy it. Uh, I really do, but you nailed it today. I appreciate that. So uh, we will continue on our journey through the end of Chapter 6. Matt Tully will be teaching here next Sunday, and uh, we'll be looking forward to that. And then we will do a follow-up on chapter 6 on Mother's Day with a group of mothers up here, just like we did with the men back in February and we did with the young adults in March. We'll have some mothers up here, and they are excited to be up here. (laughs) 
some of them are pretty nervous about it, but uh, they'll be good. Be good. We'll just have a conversation, and it'll be great. And then, obviously, we'll get to chapters seven and eight, and we got a whole group of people that are teaching that. I can't remember who all's teaching, but I, I know Nick Ford's on like race day. So that that's just the God thing that uh, you're going to be here on race day. Uh, and so that's fun. I know the Sons of Thunder will be here teaching together. That would be Joe and John Getchell together. Uh, yeah, so there, there's a bunch of people that are coming up here uh, in the last couple of chapters, so it'll be a, a fun time. Hey, I appreciate you being here today. I'm going to pray for you, and then uh, would, you're welcome to stick around, and uh, Marla's here. It's good to see you. People ask all the time, is she still working at Pinheads? But Friday night's on the lane, so we come see Marla on Friday nights and tip her big. <laughs> Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for your daughter, Shannon, and just how you spoke through her this morning, that we can know that we are alive in you and dead to sin. And so I, I trust that your word will penetrate the hearts of your people and that they'll actually go and look and read it and see that it is true. So I trust you with our friends today and just thank you for uh, your presence here with us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.